The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Oh, got it, got it, got it! 33! Center field, Marsh leaps, and he got it! Is it normally? High fly ball, deep left field, oh, 27! Does it again! For this year. Wall sends it well out to left center field! This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels Baseball. You listen to All Angels Podcasts. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Garcia. So obviously, we're at the All-Star break. We are recording this right after the Home Run Derby, where Juan Soto takes the crown. Um, Some very cool highlights. You know, obviously, Albert getting out of that first round. Definitely went over my 5.5, but uh, definitely was was showing his age a little bit. Definitely looked really tired after that first round. And honestly looked really surprised that Schwarber didn't beat him in that first round. It seemed like everyone was really excited to see him advance except for Albert. But Juan Soto got him in the semis. And obviously Juan Soto took it over um, young Phenom. And this guy was putting on a show in the very first two rounds. That is Julio Rodriguez from the Seattle Mariners. And I really thought going into that final matchup, he was going to take the crown. But Juan Soto ends up winning the 2022 Home Run Derby. Uh, and uh, we'll see what happens next year. He obviously went last year and he competed against Otani in the first round, beat Otani in the first round, competed this year, now won it. Now let's see if he goes and up to Seattle next year where the All-Star game is going to be and tries to defend his title I know a lot of guys will do it a couple of times, but it does look really taxing. It does look really um, tiring because you are. it does seem like you are swinging for the fences quite a bit. So we'll see what happens next year. And like I said, the All-Star game next year up in Seattle. Very, I think that's going to be a very nice place to see the game. It's a great stadium. Weather's not going to be an issue, obviously, with Seattle. The temperatures are always seem to be nice and chill compared to what it looked like out there in L.A. where it looked like it was pretty warm today. So there's a bunch of other news that came out of this press conference today or press conferences today at the All-Star Game, but we'll get to that after after our my interview with Rhett Bollinger from MLB.com. I talked to another beat writer. I'm getting a lot of... Um, I guess good responses. I'm getting responses about the Jeff Fletcher interview, which I really like. I really like your guys' opinion, and I like to hear your guys' opinion. And honestly, I would like to hear it more. So if you guys are listening to this podcast and the Jeff Fletcher podcast and have a question or anything about what they said, agree, disagree, make sure you call in on the voicemail line to let me know. We'll play it right here on the next podcast. The number is 951 951- Three eight four zero eight one zero, and I will put it in the description of this 
podcast. But like I mentioned, I'm getting a lot of good feedback from the Jeff Fletcher interview. I'm, you know, so I'm interested to hear what you guys think about what Rhett has to say. I didn't ask him as much Otani stuff because I think I got a lot of that from Jeff and I really talked to Rhett more about other Angel stuff, the coaching issue. We get a Jeff Fle- or a David Fletcher update and all that stuff. So make sure you listen again if you have any questions or comments about the last two interviews with the two beat writers from the Angels. Make sure you call our voicemail line at 951-384-0810. Now here's our interview with MLB.com's beat writer, Rhett Bollinger. I'd like to welcome back a past guest, friend of the podcast, obviously. He's been here a number of times. He writes for MLB.com. He is the Angels beat writer, and that is Rhett Bollinger. Rhett, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, always a fun time, and this is a good time. I just had Jeff Fletcher on, talk about the baseball season, his book. Now I want to have you on the same thing, talk about, uh, you know, obviously the first half of the Angel season. I don't think you have a book coming out. So I guess there's one thing we don't have to talk about. But but, uh, anyways, so the first half, it's over. It's complete. As we record, the first half is, I guess, unofficially over because it's not exactly halfway through the season. But we're at the break, and the Angels are struggling. Last time I talked to you, it was it was kind of weird. It was right in the beginning, I believe, like three or four games into that 14-game losing streak, right before they went to New York and all the stuff that kind of followed behind it. From that point to this point, I mean, last time we talked, we were excited. Or I was excited about a playoff run. Now it looks like they need to move heaven and earth to even try to get close to that. Um, what has changed in, in, in the meantime? What has changed from last time we talked to now? Yeah, it's pretty incredible. I remember last time talking to you thinking they might even be buyers of the deadline and how they kind of reinforce this team because they were still playing pretty well at that point. Um, and then that losing streak hit and just that whole stretch, you know, they had that stretch against a bunch of tough, you know, tough teams with the, you know, the Blue Jays and the Yankees and they went to Philly when they started to get hot and you know, had to come home and then, you know, the Red Sox and Mets and all that. And yeah, they had a 19 game stretch um, against tough teams. They went two and 17, okay. uh, which pretty much put them out of contention just from that one stretch right there. Um, and a lot of it was just, it seems like you know, the offense is, I think to me, has been the biggest culprit over this time period just because uh, they're averaging right around three runs per game. Second fewest runs in the majors over the last like 55 games. Uh, just one run better than the A's who have obviously not, aren't really even trying. Um, and obviously, you know, the bullpen's been a struggle as well, uh, protecting late leads. Um, the rotation's been okay. It's hard to fully blame them. Uh, obviously, Otani has been the one guy who actually can yeah. get wins in this, on this roster uh, whenever he pitches. So um, it's just a combination. Whenever they pitch well, they seem like they can't hit. Whenever they actually do score some runs, it seems like they don't pitch well in that game or they blow a late lead. So uh, pretty much anything that could possibly go wrong, it seems like it goes wrong for them, except for when Otani starts. Other than that, you know, it's almost like a, you know, a guarantee they're going to find a way to lose. And it's, it's just, you know, it's tough to watch. And I feel for the fans and for the players, too. Obviously, they are working hard and all that. Like they consistently say, they're working hard to try to fix this, but nothing so far has been able to, to change anything, really. And you mentioned it's like every time Otani's on the mound, he is the difference maker. They've won his last, uh, at this point, I believe, like what, five starts or six, six starts, six starts in a row. But it's not like Otani's never in the lineup the other days. Like, obviously, he's not pitching, but he's still a DH every other day. Is there like a certain different, like just a vibe near the in the clubhouse when he is on the mound compared to where he's still in the lineup, but he's not on the mound? 
Yeah, I think I'm sure a little bit. I'm sure there's more confidence when he's out there. And part of it's just he's just not giving up any runs too, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Those starts, I think he's only given up like two runs. So as long as the offense even shows like a pulse that day and can get a couple of runs, and sometimes he does it himself, you know, that two-run triple the other day. Right. Sometimes he provides his own offense because all he really needs over this stretch has been a few runs. Um, and with the other pitchers, you know, uh, even if they pitch well, I know Demers has had a couple of good starts and they're not really anything to show for it. Um, so it's just it's just one of those rough stretches here, and it's just been going on for a long time. I mean, I wrote my story yesterday that you know over the last fifty five games they're they're fifteen and forty, uh, which is pretty amazing considering you know leading up to that they were eleven games over five hundred and they were in first place. Um, so they you know played almost a quarter of the season of, of pretty good baseball, um, and now even more than a quarter of the season they've played uh, the worst baseball or the worst you know baseball in the majors. They, they have the worst record since that stretch, and even worse than that, so the A's who really haven't really been trying much. They're right. definitely in rebuild mode, where this Angel team had high hopes. And, and clearly moving on from Joe Madden didn't really make a difference. They, they have a much worse record, uh, you know, with Nevin so far. Uh, you got to wonder about the coaching staff at this point and if they're going to make any changes there, um, if that would make a difference or not. I mean, they've, you know, trying to shuffle up the back of the lineup. You know, they've brought up Safonic. They've, you know, signed VR. They've tried to, you know, mix up different things. Adele's up now. They had Monty Harrison up for a little bit. We've seen McKinnon. They've tried different guys. But, you know, and Renhifo's played a little better for sure. But this, nothing's really changed. The bottom of the lineup still struggles. They're still not really getting enough runs. Even the top of the lineup, you know, Ward uh, hasn't really been the same player he was early in the year. Trout, same thing. A lot of strikeouts. Now he's hurt with the back. Uh, Matani has still been pretty solid, but not really the home run numbers we used to saw like last year. Um, so, yeah, it's just been a, a really rough stretch here uh, for a long time. Do you think this team would be in a different situation if they just rode out that losing streak with Madden and kept Madden and Madden was still the manager at this point? Or do you think this was something that, you know, obviously you can never tell the future, but it was probably just inevitable. Something like this was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I think just it's not all Madden's fault. I think even if Madden would have stuck around, I don't know how much things would be that much better either. Just, I think it's more of a issue with the players and just the production. And um, the only difference might've been, was if Madden was manager, I don't think they probably would have had that brawl. Well, um, that's half the yeah. fun already. Yeah. And that, but that was, you know, a costly brawl for them in a sense that, you know, they, they, they lose their, even if just interim manager for 10 games, which is a long time and all the other coaches and just having all these, you know, managers over that stretch. And then of course, Archie Bradley breaks his elbow and he's out for you know, a couple months. So, and then and the Mar- Mariners, of course, have gone the other way and they've been playing great ever since the brawl. So, um, yeah. So I do think I wonder if that would have changed things. I don't think Madden probably would have directed them to, to do what they did. Uh, it doesn't really seem like his style as much. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think no matter who was managing this team right now, they were going to struggle. And you know, a lot of people, and I'm sure you see it on your Twitter feed and on your comments, is the the coaching staff. And you kind of mentioned it a little bit about you don't know, you know, if they're safe. They are, you know, came in with Joe, everyone, but but uh, but Tim Montgomery. I think Tim Montgomery was working with Perry last year. So I guess is he maybe the only guy that's safe because he has that connection? Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to make full scale coaching changes like during the middle of the season in terms of like the whole staff or anything, right. but. Certainly they could, though, move on from, you know, Matt Wise or even Jeremy Reed if they want to do that, uh, you know, kind of sacrifice the hitting coach or pitching coach is the way things are going. Maybe that could happen in season. But, yeah, I mean, this offseason, you got to figure they're probably going to clean house um, and figure out what they want to do with their, with their next manager. I mean, you know, Nevin certainly is going to be in that mix. I don't know if, you know, he's done much mm. to really improve his chances of getting it at this point. Um, but, you know, he's handled the media well, and I know the players really do like Nevin a lot. 
Um, so you never really know what will happen with that. But I, I do expect with Perry, he'll have his chance now to hire his own manager. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that's, uh, you know, been around. And, and, and Madden was not the guy that he hired. You know, Perry came in after that. So I think this gives him a chance to kind of define his own staff. He said Ray Montgomery was added from the front office to the bench coach. Um, but you got to, you know, even he might go back to the front office. You never really know um, how things are going to go with that coaching staff right now. Because really, uh, if it continues to go this way the rest of the year, especially, <laughs> um, it, you know, nobody really would be safe uh, at this point. With all the baseball that you've seen and, and covered, is it something as simple as just fixing the hitting coaches or fixing or changing the pitching coaches and hitting coaches to make a team click? Or, you know, is that something that's very a small percentage of how well a team does. Yeah, I think it's kind of a smaller percent. I think the bigger scale thing is just the fact they really haven't developed players in the minor leagues as well. You know, they haven't really had guys come up through the minors and, and, and come up and have an immediate impact, you know, the way it seems like other clubs do. seems like the guys that come up for the Angels come up and really struggle, you know, right away, even top prospects like, you know, we've seen Adele go through a lot of struggles and even Marsh offensively this year. You know, he's a great defender, uh, but the adjustments just have not really been there um, offensively. And then, you know, even on the pitching side, it wasn't a great look that, you know, Reed Detmers uh, went down to AAA and then kind of fixed his slider. And it, it took a chance, you know, a trip to the minor leagues to fix that instead of something they could do up in the major leagues. Um, and Pagaro, you know, and he was tipping pitches. And Trout wasn't obviously very happy about that. It wasn't a good sign. The rest of the, you know, the coaching staff couldn't figure that out. So um, I, I do think, obviously, they do make an impact. But I think the, the issues for the Angels go deeper than that at this point. And I think it's more of an organizational thing and just a player development issue that they got to fix going forward. And then they've been trying to. And obviously, last year, drafting all pitchers, you know, 20 of them. I've, I've heard good reviews on a lot of those pitchers. Um, a lot of the, even the, you know, the Athletic came out with their most recent prospect rankings, kind of praised them for that draft. You never know how that'll pan out. Uh, especially, you know, with pitchers, but it does seem like the early returns have been pretty solid on that at least. So to me, it's more of, of kind of developing those guys, but you're right. At the big league level, a lot of these younger guys aren't getting better. Um, and if anything, they're kind of regressing and, and, and still making the same mistakes. You know, you know how you can beat them with high fastballs. And there's just, there's just, even as a fan, you can kind of know how to, if you, if you know how to hit the guys out as a fan, probably not a good sign uh, for that. <laughs> Is it too soon? I know he's only been in – this is going to be a second draft as we record. But is it too soon to judge Perry as far as his job as GM? Or do you think there's enough sample size as free agent signings and stuff like that to, to start judging his his case as being a good GM? I think it's a little too early at this point. I mean, it's definitely been a couple of years here. Um, but so far, you know, he's definitely made some some good moves, but also some mistakes, you know, especially with – you know, it's tough, you know, a lot of the trying to build back the pitching staff, it seemed like the bullpen was a great area to invest. And I thought the signings made sense at the time. And sure enough, uh, they haven't really worked out. Even Rizal Iglesias has been consistently one of the better closers in baseball. He got, you know, a big contract and has really struggled. You know, so Aaron Loop struggled all year pretty much. Ryan DePera has been kind of up and down. Um, and then even the, you know, Lorenzen was pretty good for a while. Then he seems to, you know, now he's hurt and, you know, Syndergaard has been pretty solid, but his ERA is right at four now, so he hasn't really been like spectacular or anything. So the moves he made in the offseason were geared to pitch, pitch the, or fix the pitching staff, and it has been a little better than last year, but clearly the offense needed to be upgraded, and that didn't happen, and he, he knows it's an issue now um, because the offense has really scuffled here for, like I said, the last like 50 games or so. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it was a great offseason looking back now, but I do think that it's still a little early uh, – you know, to judge him fully just because he's only been here for two years. 
with the next big date on the calendar being the trade deadline in early August, the Angels currently sit at 39 and 53. It's hard to see them being any kind of sellers or buyers more so they're probably going to lean more towards the selling side of it. Do you feel that same way or how do you think that that time period is going to play out? Yeah, I mean, I think it'd make more sense to be sellers at this point, but the question is who can they really sell? I mean, they don't really have that many pieces that are going to be that attractive to, to other teams. Uh, you know, Noah Syndergaard is probably their biggest trade chip of the of the veteran guys they have. Uh, but like I said, Syndergaard with a 40 RA hasn't really been striking out that many guys. And the fact that, you know, he, he's coming off Tommy Johnson, there's no real guarantee he's going to be available in the postseason for a contending team either. Um, so that might kind of limit his value. And the fact that he's making, you know, you know, he may have, what do you get a $21 million contract? So he's probably owed like six, $7 million the rest of the year too. So unless they ate some of that money, they might not get much back. Um, so otherwise, you know, they could decide to, to move on from like Joe Adele, but even then what would be the point in terms of his values, definitely not very high right now. Um, and they just don't really have that many other pieces. And I, I really don't see a scenario where they trade uh, Shoei Otani. I know that's been talked about. I just think that uh, he means too much to them. Uh, both on the field and off the field. I, I don't think Artie would want to sign off on a trade for Otani. And really, I don't know what you could get back that would really be worth it in a sense, because I know that, you know, you get a year and a half of Otani, but even other teams, you know, would be wary just because of the, you know, injury concerns of Otani and fitting them in their own rotation. And and, and also just these teams and knowing, you know, would it be possible for them to resign him too? So I don't really see an Otani trade happening. And I they don't really have a big piece to move that's going to bring them back a bunch of guys to, to rebuild that farm system either. So I think they're kind of in a tough situation and we'll kind of see what they end up doing. But I don't really see them making much of a splash there at the deadline. And it seems like the Angels are always kind of put in this situation where they, they're never really good enough to go out and make this huge buy or even have enough prospects to make this huge buy, but they're never really bad enough to where it's like a full on fire sale, Oakland a style. Let's just start all over again. But isn't that something that I don't know if it would work, but I guess you can't really do that when you have people like Mike Trout and as of right now, Shoei Otani on the roster. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. I mean, they just have never really gone into a rebuild because of Trout being their main star. And, you know, before that, trying to win with Trout and Pujols and, and things like that. And now, obviously, with Trout and Rendon and Otani, uh, they just never really could do a full rebuild. And, and right now, they're not going to do it either. And like I said, they don't really have the players to sell off to even really do one either. I mean, the only guy that would really be, you know, sparking a rebuild would be Otani. But even the return for Otani, I don't think would be enough to really have a full rebuild. I don't know that you could get enough value in return for a guy like Otani who's able to do, you know, both things so well. Um, you know, you even look at what the Dodgers did last year, you know, when they got Trey Turner for a year and a half and they got, you know, Max Scherzer, they gave up, you know, a good catching prospect and they gave up a pitching prospect who might be a reliever. He might not even be a big leaguer. And just like, right. No one really knows yet, but Ruiz looks like he might be pretty solid. So it, would you really want to trade Otani for, you know, maybe a, a good position player in the, the wild card? I, I don't know that that's really worth, um, making that kind of a trade. So it is hard situation for them. They're always, like I said, they never really have a rebuild. Um, but part of the issue is just they haven't really drafted well over the last however many years. And if they would have those guys in the draft, um, you know, it could it would make a big difference. They just haven't really been able to do that. Even, you know, our MLB pipeline crew had to rate the best draft pick by the Angels over the last decade. And the best pick was David Fletcher, you know, and Fletcher's <laughs> a nice player, but he's been, right. you know, struggled now for the last over a year. And he's been hurt most of this year, too. I always coming back here at the end of the month and hopefully he finishes strong. For his own sake, but I mean, it just shows you they just haven't really been able to 
to draft much over the last decade. And and hopefully, you know, under Perry, that's a big emphasis and we'll see if they can, you know, if those guys will pan out, but that's also still kind of to be determined. So you bring up Jeff Fletcher or not Jeff, David Fletcher, Ron Fletcher. Um, <laughs> well, Jeff Fletcher buys book though, by the way. Buy yeah. By the way. Yeah. We just talked to him about the book, buy the book. Uh, I, I talked about I, it every day with him at work. He basically brings <laughs> it up uh, unprompted and he, Puts the book out for little photo ops and. Does he travel with it now? Oh yeah, yeah. He's got, yeah, well, now he's like got a-, a bunch of copies of it. And today too, I believe, his book signing is going on right yeah. now. Speak on Sunday morning in Tustin. So hopefully, uh, someone, some of the someone's over there for him <laughs> buying some books. I hope so for. Yeah, great book. Definitely, definitely check it out again. Like I mentioned on the last podcast, had him on. Great. I, I, I really enjoyed that. But David Fletcher, the other Fletcher, the Fletcher on the field, he is coming back at the end uh, or after the All Star break. But and you mentioned before, Luis Trenhifo seems to be kind of turning a little bit of a corner right now uh, for the Angels. So when Fletcher comes back, who do you feel is like the odd man out in that infield? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think right now, um, I, I feel like it'd be Jonathan VR. I mean, he's really not really added too much offensively, and, and he's made three pretty costly errors too um, at third base. So to me, I'd probably have Fletcher play in the infield with Stefanik and Renhifo as kind of the three starters, although Stefanik really is kind of starting to slump again too offensively. But you might as well see what you have in him and maybe play Fletcher a little bit at third and keep Renhifo at short and then play, you know, Stefanik at second. But you can move it around too. And if, if Fletcher is still dealing with any, any of the hip injury or anything, you can play him at second more if it's easier on him because Stefanik can move to third or even Renhifo has been playing a little bit of third the last couple of days here too. So I think those will be the three primary infielders, at least in the start of it. Uh, they could – obviously keep VR as a backup or maybe move on from him or even, you know, if they could trade him for anything um, at the deadline, that would make sense too. I just don't know really what they'd really get back for him with the way he struggled this year. Um, but yeah. And then obviously mix in Velasquez for defense. And then at some point, uh, you know, Matt Duffy will be back from his back injury. And so you got to figure they'll send down David McKinnon uh, for sure. Uh, once one of those two guys are back. Um, but yeah, Fletcher still got some time though. I, I've heard, I don't think he's going to come back until the homestand after the series against the Braves and the Royals. They really want him to kind of take some time at AAA and make sure he's feeling healthy and get his swing back. Um, so it's cool for him because I think he gets to play against his brother, um, yeah. AAA Reno, and his brother Dominic's a, a really big prospect, a really good player for the Diamondbacks uh, AAA team. So at least that'll be cool. Two Fletchers in the field, um, and then he'll be back there for the homestand. That's what, kind of what I've been hearing. We can send, we send Jeff down to Salt Lake and be a two Fletchers on the field and one, right? one, and one, one in the box. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> But uh, so obviously Fletcher is somebody that the fans really like. He, you know, he's a fan favorite. You have Luis Renjifo, who has kind of felt like he's turning a corner, like I mentioned, and Rendon coming back next year. Obviously, that still means they need to update or upgrade, I'm sorry, the infield during the offseason, no? Yeah, I would think shortstop would be another area, again, they'd want to really upgrade. I mean, obviously, and even maybe a backup corner infielder just because of the way that Rendon – uh, it has been injury prone. And then the way that, you know, Walsh struggles against lefties and really Walsh hasn't really hit the way that he was, uh, you know, like he did last year in a sense either um, this season. So I think a stronger player who could play first and third would make some sense. And then obviously a shortstop would be a, a key thing just because they don't really have um, a, a kind of a two-way type shortstop that can hit and field. You know, Velasquez is a great fielder, but can't really, uh, you know, hit. And then, you know, Fletcher seems like, he, you know, you could play Fletcher at short, but I think of him as more of a second baseman. Um, and then we'll kind of see, you know, what they have in Renhifo. It has been a nice stretch for him. I do think he'll obviously he's putting himself firmly in the mix for next year. Um, but the infield is definitely going to be an area they need to you know, try to upgrade this offseason. 
So we are at, again, the all-star break right now. In your eyes, what is the biggest surprise, good surprise? Because I know there's probably a lot of bad surprises, but what's the good surprise that you've seen so far this year with the Angels? Ooh, that's always tough right now with the way things have been going. <laughs> yeah. um, let's see here. A, a good surprise. Eesh, it's, 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 it's tough to even find too many positives in this. I, said, I mean, Renjifo has obviously been a positive in terms of the way he's played recently. Uh, you know, Jose Quejada has been really good out of the bullpen since he's been healthy. Um, not a huge surprise. Quejada finished pretty strong last year, too. But you're kind of, you know, you're looking at this roster, you're kind of looking up and down and going, who's really been, uh, you know, better compared to last year? And I mean, obviously, Taylor Ward would be a big surprise. Like I said, the way that he started off the year, but he hasn't really been hitting the way that he was earlier um, the last few weeks here, kind of coming back down to earth a little bit. But I would say overall, in terms of the actual performance for the season, I think that, you know, Ward... His production has probably been the biggest surprise on the team, and especially early on in the year, he was really a big part of that offense when they were clicking with him and, you know, and Trout and, you know, Rendon were healthy and Otani up there and, and Walsh was more productive. That was a pretty good top five to that lineup. Um, but so far, you know, that hasn't really been the case, and obviously that bottom line has been really rough. So, um, yeah, it just it's tough to really find, uh, you know, much positives out of this. I mean, Sandoval had a nice first half. Got to give him credit for continuing to develop. Um, but, you know, Reed Detmers is starting to kind of show some stuff since going down with that fixed slider, showing why he was such a big prospect. I do think that Detmers could have a pretty good second half here. Um, but in terms of positive developments, it's definitely kind of hard to find on this team with the way things have gone. <laughs> then I'll, I'll flip it on you on the other side then. This, this might be hard because there's too many to pick from. What is the biggest disappointment so far this year for the Angels? I mean, I would have to say probably just the way the bullpens fared, you know, just the fact that, Iglesias has struggled so much in loop too. Like I said earlier, Depair has been up and down and Archie Bradley has been hurt most of the year with, um, you know, now with the elbow thing. And before that, I think you wait here to decide, um, you know, the bullpen was supposed to be the strength of this team. You know, they're even trying to make comparisons in spring training to 2002 with uh, the angels bullpen when they won the world series. And uh, that's definitely not a fair comparison. <laughs> this has not been a good bullpen. So that's been a major disappointment to me for sure. has been the bullpen, the rotation has been okay. I mean, I don't think it's been great, but it hasn't been the biggest issue. Um, and then obviously the offense is really scuffled here. Um, you know, Trout with the strikeouts has definitely been, a, you know, he's obviously have, still having a strong year. Offensively, you know, a lot of home runs. His power is definitely up. Um, but it does seem like that's kind of his, his big tool now is the power. He doesn't really, you know, drive the ball in the gaps as much anymore or, or utilize the speed in that sense or, uh, put the ball in play as much, you know, a lot of strikeouts too, but he's still having a good year, but it hasn't really been the same type of Mike Trout player we've seen in the past. Um, so yeah, I mean, Rendon, of course, just another rough year. And then, you know, another injury out for the season. That's turned out to be a, a rough contract so far. Still some time, obviously to turn it around. And he's certainly had a strong track record before he came to the angels, but um, really the last couple of years, there's really been a struggle for him. And then to see him get hurt really does, you know, affect this team a lot, especially when you have that much money, um, invested in him uh, to lose him for that much time and not really having much depth to, you know, replace him. That injury really hurt this team. And it was kind of right around the same time things started to go south here. Um, so I do think that Rendon, it was another disappointment this year for sure. Yeah. It, and it just seems like at the beginning of the year, we were excited as fan base. Oh, they finally fixed that bullpen issue. But obviously, like you mentioned, it hasn't played out that way. Is that just kind of the nature of spending money on especially relievers in free agency, or is this something, you know, that the angels screwed up so-and-so's arm kind of deal? 
It's a good question. I mean, I, I do think you're right, though. With relievers, it's really hard to find ones that are consistently good. Um, they kind of seem to have kind of years where there's, you know, up and down, the kind of variance just because they don't throw that many innings. But, yeah, I mean, you'd have to wonder how someone like Aaron Loop could go from being, you know, a guy last year with the Mets, his ERA was like below one. I mean, you could make the case last year that, you know, that he was in terms of runs, you know, not a long runs. He was like the best reliever like yeah. last year. <laughs> um, and Rizal Iglesias, you could make a case, was one of the best closers in baseball last year. And then for them to fall apart like that this year is just hard to explain. Um, and, and you don't know. And is it because the pitching coaches haven't really helped them, uh, you know, find their stuff or, or utilize it properly or, you know, pitch sequencing, that kind of thing? Is like what What is broken? You know, are, are the Angels tipping pitches? You know, we've seen that with Figueroa. We even heard about that with Otani in New York. I mean, what's kind of the biggest issue here? And I, I don't know the answer. I really don't know why these guys have struggled as much as they have. I really don't. And I think, obviously, they don't either, or else they probably would have fixed it by now. Um, but it is a, a tough situation. You're right. I just think that I thought it made sense because these guys did have strong track records. And generally, you know, they've been pretty good consistently throughout their careers. But for them to all, you know, have rough years together at the same time after all getting the new contracts from the Angels um, has really hurt this team a lot. And, uh, you know, it's definitely an issue they got to fix going forward. Yeah, it's definitely something that I guess it shows that you do have to have some depth. You just can't always just uh, spend money and hopefully that fixes the the issue, whatever issue it is, whether it's like in the bullpen, starting rotation, infield, whatever. But again, all-Star Weekend is upon us. All-Star Break is upon us. Home Run Derby is Monday. We are recording this before the, the draft, so we're actually on Sunday. But the Home Run Derby has some big names in it. I'm going to put you on the spot, Rhett. Who is going to win this Home Run Derby? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, it's hard to go against Pete Alonzo just because the way he's won it in the past and he's just so built for it. Um, but I'm going to go with Kyle Schwarber. Oh, okay. He's just, been, he's just such a big guy in his swing. <laughs> He has generated so much power. I was watching him yesterday hit a home run um, on a pitch that was so low that he fell to his knee when he hit the home run. It was like Adrian Beltre back Beltre. <laughs> yeah. Um So was, he just has so much raw power, um, and he's such a big guy. I think he's built for it more. And so is you know Alonzo's a big dude too. Like I think it's tougher for you know a guy like uh, you know Jose Ramirez just because he's just kind of a smaller guy to, to be able to do that because uh, just so many you know big swings over such a short amount of time just the endurance it takes to do that in the strength. People don't realize just how tiring that is. So I do think that Alonzo probably should be the favorite just because he's done it twice or he's won it twice. And his pitcher that he's had throw to him too is incredible. Like every pitch is like right down the middle. And he's even a different organization now. I yeah. Guess, but he's bringing him back for yeah. the home, for the home run derby. Uh, probably gets a nice share of the winnings. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with Schwarber. I just think that the guy has a lot of power and right now he's been hot for the last couple months just with the home run stroke. So um big dude i'm gonna go with the big guy and go with schwarber okay so if you could put any six guys in the field they have to be current healthy non-healthy that doesn't matter but they have to be current mlb players what six guys would you put in your your dream home run derby six guys um well i mean otani for one i mean definitely want to see otani just because you know it's so much fun the way he hits BP. It just is crazy. I mean, of course, I'd always wanted to see Trout. I don't know if I put him among the six right now, but I mean, a Trout home run derby would, would be awesome. He's never done it, and, and certainly uh, uh, isn't going to do it this year with his back. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, John Carlos Stanton's a guy that has you know massive power, the exit velocities, um, and so does Aaron Judge. So those two guys would be guys I'd love to see, just because they're simming big dudes with like crazy power. Um, 
let's see. I mean, Schwarber obviously is a guy that I said this year has been pretty incredible. Hmm, let me think of anybody else. Me, two more. Two more, two more. Let's see here. Um, let's see. Who's a big power hitter that would be uh, – I'm trying to think of who else I'd want in there. Um, I mean, Buxton actually has some pretty crazy power for being kind of a skinnier guy. Mm-hmm. Um, this year his power has been really fun, and I, I've obviously you – know, I covered Byron. I, I love watching him play. He's more fun in the outfield, but it'd be pretty cool to see him in the derby just because you don't see it. You know, you don't think of him being a power hitter, but I think I saw a stat where over his last 162 games, he has like 55 home runs. Oh, it's just wow. because he's hurt so much, you don't realize yeah. <laughs> it. But, yeah, so, I mean, I, I think I'd throw Byron in that list maybe. Uh, let's see here. Who else would be uh, kind of in that mix? Do I have any uh, – who's leading the league in ISO? <laughs> oh, you were on Alvarez. Would be. Yeah, Alvarez yeah, would be. Alvarez. Yeah, I think Judge would – yeah, Schwarber in there for sure. But, yeah, I mean, Jordan Alvarez is the guy I forgot for sure. That's that's, that's what I – yeah, I'd love to see Jordan Alvarez in it. Yeah, he's definitely putting up a major um, – Major numbers so far this first half yeah. of the season for sure, and 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 talking you talking about Otani and then obviously Otani is also starting at DH and, and one one other question real quick is that and it kind of came to mind, Otani MVP doing some crazy stuff again this year that he did last year, is there and I ask you because I know you vote on awards I don't know if you're going to vote on MVP this year but I know you you do and you do in the past but is there kind of any Otani fatigue you feel like where judge if he gets close to that 61 mark and otani still is doing what he's doing but you know 61 and 61 especially in new york is there any chance that it goes to like judge and the mvp voting yeah i mean you're right i mean there's a little bit of that fatigue and also the fact the angels just haven't really been very good again this year um might add to that and just the fact that judge does play in new york um so yeah i think that could maybe play a little bit of a role into it we'll kind of just see how the rest of the season goes i mean if otani continues to go on a tear like this it's going to be hard to ignore and I, knew, I do know voters love to look at, you know, war totals and that kind of stuff. And if he continues to pitch like this and hit like that, this, he's just going to put up the most war by anybody. So it's going to be tough to, like, pick somebody else in terms of just the value that he creates in terms of that. Um, but you're right. If Judge, you know, goes on a home run tear and gets into the 60s um, on a team that's, you know, going to have easily over 100 wins, um, that narrative could definitely take hold. Uh, I don't vote for the MVP this year. Um, if I had one for the first half, I would vote Otani just because of what he's been able to do. But, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes the second half. There's still a lot of baseball to be played. Um, and it'll be, you know, interesting. It's definitely those two are definitely the top two uh, candidates right now. Yeah, it's going to be a fun race. I guess that's one thing for the Angel fans to kind of watch as the season goes on is that race, though, the MVP race, because yeah. the wild card race right now, unless mm-hmm. I said, unless the Miracle, I mean, yeah. Nationals, obviously, when they won the World Series, they had a tough start. It wasn't this deep into the season, but. Turned it around. The Braves last year turned it around after the you know trade deadline. So teams have done it. It's just we haven't really seen any signs of this changing or any real reason to believe it. But it, you never know. It's baseball. But so far, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not looking good. <laughs> Is it something as simple as just if the offense, for whatever reason, clicks in the second half, but your bullpen's the same, your like production-wise, bullpen's the same, your defense production's the same, your starting rotation production's the same, will that make a huge difference you think for the angels or is it something like everything needs to improve a little bit or is it just the offense everything needs to improve a little bit but i do think the offense to me is the biggest thing i mean that was when they were good uh you know earlier in the year they were you know among the league leaders and runs scored i think they had the most home runs in baseball for quite a while there 
Um, and so I think they were, you know, kind of being led by their offense, which, you know, made sense at the time. You know, I said, when you look that back at it with Ward hitting the way that he was and, and Trout and Otani and Rendon and even Walsh, um, that was a pretty top, you know, pretty fearsome top of the lineup there. But now it just isn't quite the same. Um, but if they can get the other bats going, you know, Marsh, I know it's homered in back-to-back games. I know they were in blowouts, but maybe he starts to click a little bit more and Renjifo continues to click and maybe they get Ward back, you know, kind of getting back going and see what they have in Adele. And it's a lot of ifs, you know, but if some of these things do click, you're right. And the offense does get better. That's how I think they'll get better in the second half if the offense picks it up. And maybe it will against, you know, teams that aren't as good. They have played a lot of really good teams over the stretch too and continuing on uh, playing the Braves next is not going to be easy. Uh, but when they, you know, they're playing the A's or playing the, you know, the Royals or, you know, teams like that, maybe they'll have a better showing and maybe get the offense going. But yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see and kind of, you know, at this point there's such a tough spot and just the confidence levels and stuff. I can't imagine are very high right now with the way that things have been going. So last question before I let you go, Red, again, follow him at Red Bollinger on Twitter, MLB beat writer for the Angels. Would you let Jeff Fletcher write a book about your life? Ooh, I don't know. No, I don't think anyone would really want to. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, Jeff knows so much about me now. Being on the beat and traveling together, I think I don't know who else could do it any better. Maybe my mom or, or dad. They're not very good writers. Like, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah. No, I'm excited. I'm excited for Fletch and this book coming out on Tuesday. And I said he's been talking about it a bunch. And I know that uh, you know, I mentioned in the in the back of the book there. I think, uh, in, you know, just in terms of acknowledgements from being in there. I know that Sam Blum has a cameo in the book. Yeah. Drops an F-bomb. That's great. Yeah, because of the Otani uh, home run, home run. In, in Seattle. So, yeah, I actually haven't read the book fully yet, but I really uh, am looking forward to and um, certainly lived through a lot of it and seeing a lot of those yeah. things and certainly have read Jeff's stuff, uh, you know. And So, yeah, I'm excited for him, and it is pretty cool. I know that fans uh, can learn a lot about Otani. I know you've listened to the book, so it, yeah. it is cool. And Someday maybe I'll write a book, too. Maybe I'll write it about – uh, Otani is season this year. The, the second, yeah, there you go. <laughs> it could be a sequel. Season in MLB history, the Shohei Otani yeah. <laughs> uh, 2022. But no, Reds and uh, start on a sequel right now. Right? Yeah. So, <laughs> we'll see. All right, Red. Thank you very much again. Um, enjoy the All Star Game. I know you're going. You're covering the Home Run Derby and the All Star Game. So have fun with that. I know it's work, but still, it's going to be pretty cool. I think. Yeah, it'll be fun. stuff like that. So uh, have fun with that. And thanks again for jumping on. So obviously, Rhett did not get the prediction on the home run derby, right? But I have a feeling a lot of people would have picked Alonzo or, you know, maybe Schwarber like like Rhett did. But Juan Soto, again, puts on a show with Julio Rodriguez in that last round. A lot of fun, and it definitely seems like the crowds were packed there at Dodger Stadium with everyone pushing and shoving to try to get that those home run balls. That's always an exciting um time of the year and honestly i do like it more than the all-star game with that being said the all-star game is going to be tuesday again at, at dodger stadium and we'll see what happens there but news coming out of the press conferences today at dodger stadium for uh, the all-star game and probably the biggest announcement for the all-star game is that shoyo otani will be leading off and DHing for the al this season but unlike last season, it looked like it sounds like he declined to pitch this time around, seeing that the Angels have him scheduled to start off the series against Atlanta on Thursday, and he wanted to keep himself fresh for that, which was pretty cool to hear. So he is turning down the opportunity 
to pitch in the All-Star game. He's still, again, um, playing DH or starting at DH. And honestly, I would think he would get probably two to three at-bats for the All-Star game, seeing that he's not pitching. So that's cool. So, again, if you don't see uh, Otani pitch, you know why. Um, Not a coach's decision. It was an Otani decision. And it's kind of pretty cool to hear that he's doing it because he is looking forward to the start of the second half and wants to be 100% when the Angels take on Atlanta on Thursday in Atlanta. So that was one of the bigger things that came out of the press conferences today at uh, Dodger Stadium just ahead of the All-Star game. Another big announcement that happened during the All-Star festivities, if you will, was that the Angels put Mike Trout on the IL due to his back injury that he's sat out the last four games for the Angels. Now, because of this all-star break and this long stretch, right now he is planning to come back once he is eligible to come back, and that would be Saturday. So I guess it's good timing to do it. He would only miss Thursday and Friday's game, plus the four that he missed coming into the break, but only miss two after the break. So I guess if there is a time to put yourself on the IL, I guess now is the time. But it definitely is kind of concerning for myself seeing Trout with these kind of injuries. And like I talked to Jeff Fletcher, it does seem like Trout is obviously getting a little older and no one really knows how he is going to age, how his body's going to age. We would love to hear and see that Mike Trout is, you know, an all-class, all-world athlete and it, the, the you know, him getting older is, is going to be a little bit slower, but you never really know. Sometimes it hits guys quicker than normal. I mean, one of the things that I fear for Mike Trout because of it's happened before, you look at what happened with Ken Griffey Jr., my, my favorite player growing up. You know, I know he's not an angel, but he was still one of my favorite players growing up. And it just seems like once he got bit by that injury bug as he got over 30, it just never seemed to be the same. And not saying that's what's going to happen with Trout, but for myself, that is kind of like in the back of my mind. Like maybe this is the time where he starts getting a little more injury prone. And maybe we'll see him move to a corner outfield spot next season because of that. But there's a lot of baseball that we played, and we'll see what happens when he gets back. But definitely a thing I'm going to watch for the rest of this year. And quite honestly, probably I think what people are going to look at for the rest of Mike Trout's career. So like I said, um, Trout on the IL, but Trout did commit to playing in the World Baseball Classic uh, next spring in late March for Team USA. And not only that, he will be a captain for Team USA, which is pretty cool. He has not participated in that tournament that I am aware of. But if you ever watch any of the WBC games, those crowds are crazy. There, it's just It feels like there's a whole different type of energy to those games compared to Major League games. And even like I'm talking about like Major League playoff games. It just seems like the, the, the WBC vibe is, is even greater than an a, a ALDS kind of thing. So that's going to be really, really cool to see i believe the usa's first couple games are going to be out in arizona so it's local for us southern california people to get out there and watch it's going to be the end of march so you're looking at it's butting up right against spring training so if you're planning to go to spring training in late march there's a good chance trout will not be there because he's playing with team usa but that also means you can go right down the street in, in phoenix and check out a game once that tournament starts. So that was pretty cool. I'm really interested to see how Trout performs in a, in a bigger stage like that. Unfortunately, the Angels have not been able to put Trout uh, 
on a huge stage stage like that. So we'll see him. Granted, it's not the playoffs. Granted, it's not with an angel uniform on, but it is something where he's going to be in a huge stage with a bunch of people watching both in person and on television. And it's going to be really cool to see how Trout performs in that environment. So that is going to be next season's WBC happening in March of 2023 to keep an eye out for that. Other than that, um, Angels bring back Phil Gosselin. Uh, He got claimed off of waivers, so we'll see where he fits in with this team once we get back from the All-Star break. Like you heard uh, Rhett say, Fletcher's planning to be back soon. He is still with the Salt Lake Bees right now. They're taking – they have like their All-Star break, so they're not playing this week. I think their last game was um, Sunday, and Fletcher had two hits, I believe, in that game. So once they get back from their – break at the end of this week we'll see if Fletcher's going to be with the major league team or still maybe a couple games with the Salt Lake Bees then when he does come back where is he going to fit in and we talked about that with Rhett so again if you guys have a comment about the last two interviews either with Jeff Fletcher or this one with Rhett Bollinger please call in 951-384-0810 and we'll play it on the next podcast I want to thank Red Bollinger for jumping on the podcast again. He's always had time for this podcast. Same thing with Jeff Fletcher. I was going to ask Sam Blum to jump on as well, but he was on about two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago. So I, you know, it was kind of soon, but I am hoping to get all three of them either all on at once or individual interviews once the season is over and once the Angels offseason starts. So last thing I'm going to leave you with is obviously there has been the draft going on and I think them moving it to All-Star Weekend or All-Star Week was a really, really cool move and putting it on Sunday like primetime was a cool move. I found myself watching more of the draft than I ever have before and I find myself kind of being intrigued about who goes where and who the Angels pick up. So with the very first pick in uh, their draft with the 13th pick overall, uh, the Angels pick Zach Nato at shortstop from Campbell University. And from everything I'm just seeing right now as far as um, interviews and like kind of like a vibe and all that stuff from him, he seems very flashy, very, very confident of himself. But what I'm reading about him as a player, he is going to be a shortstop. He is going to be a shortstop. And normally when you draft guys that are shortstops in high school or college, there is that tendency to move them from different positions because you put your best athlete at shortstop when you're in high school or college, but when you get to the to the pros, that might not be the position from you. You might move to second base or you might move to third. You look at um, Jeremiah Jackson. He's playing a lot of second base. You look at uh, Warren Blakely. He's playing a lot of third base. So, And both these guys got drafted as shortstops, but Zach has seem, seems to have the skills, the arm, and all that stuff to stay at shortstop. He is a college player, so he is a little bit closer to major league ready. The Angels did not have a second pick, so for the first day of the draft, they were done. The second day of the pick, the second day of the draft, you have uh, rounds three through ten. And with that, Angels went very pitcher heavy. Out of those picks, they went four pitchers and one guy labeled as a two-way player. So we'll see how uh, Dylan Phillips from Kansas State develops as a pitcher or as a hitter. But the big name they got in the second day of the draft was the third-round pick with the 80, uh, with the 112th overall pick, 
Ben Joyce from Tennessee. And if you that name rings a bell, if that name makes you think, oh, I think I've seen that before, you probably have. He was a pitcher for Tennessee. He sits normally, I think I saw from like 96 to like 99 is where he sits. And he has on occasion touched 105 um, in baseball games. So that is something very rare and very exciting for Angel fans to see. We'll see how the control is because in this league, in this development process, this um, ecosystem, if you will, it seems like every guy can catch up to heat. Maybe not 105 heat, but every guy can catch up to heat. It's if you can place it where you want. It's going to be the biggest issue. But you look at what the Angels did on the second day of the draft, or even two, the first day if you count Zach, there is a lot of college players. Actually, all of them are college players. And to me, that signals that Perry is trying to get guys that are close to the major league level right now. You know, typically if you go after a high school kid, you're looking at five to six years of development. Just, I mean, you draft a kid at 18, you're, you know, he's not fully developed yet. He's not even really grown into his body much. But if you start drafting these guys that are out of college, 23, 24 years old, they have played at high level and especially the Tennessees and the Auburns and the uh, um, Oklahoma State, like high end college baseball. And they've played against other major league type players and they're a little more further along in development. So some of these guys don't be surprised if you see them make serious noise or like are on the brink of breaking with the team in maybe late 23 or early 24. And if you have high school kids, that's not the case. So it definitely looks like Perry's trying to build depth for now with college players that are going to be ready to play sooner rather than later. You know, with the high school kid, you can always develop them and maybe they end up being superstars because they're so athletic as a young kid and you're able to just develop them how you want. But with college people, with college guys, you know, the the ceiling might not be as high, but the floor is not as low either. They're more of your everyday type of players in the major leagues. And, you know, high school kids are boom or bust. You know, you have a lot of high school kids that make it big and are these new big superstars. And then there's a lot of high school kids that never get out of double A ball. With college, you know, there's a good chance these guys are in double A competing very well. I mean, look at the pitchers that the Angels got last year competing in double A. They're all doing very, very well. And with some of these position players and pitchers, you can expect the same thing from them. So the rest of the drafts, rounds 11 through 20, are going to be on Tuesday. So maybe as you're listening to this, they are finishing up the picks. But definitely you have to like what their idea of of uh, uh, their draft strategy is this year. Again, they went after some pitchers, but they also went after some position needs, some first baseman, an outfielder, and uh, a handful of pitchers. So, so far, it's not 20 pitchers out of 20 picks, that which is good, but they're not ignoring the pitching situation at all either, which I think is always a plus. Those pitchers are always going to be beneficial. Even if it's not for your team, they are great trade, tip, trade chips down the line. So the Angels are not ready to compete yet, and I think a lot of people know it, but if if this draft, 20, or actually they're going to have 19 picks because they didn't have a second-round pick. Out of 19 picks, if you can get three or four guys that are are competing at the major league level in their career that is a good draft so just keep that in mind not every person from this draft is going to make it big but if you can get three or four guys that can make it to the major leagues and be don't need to be all-stars they don't need to be all-stars they need to be just 
you know, a utility player, a solid starter or something like that. If you can get three or four of those guys out of this draft, it will be a very, very good draft. So just keep that in mind. Just because one of these players don't make it or three or four of these players don't make it, that's fine. That's what happens. Is baseball is a hard sport. If you can get just a handful that can make it, and they don't even need to be all-stars, but if they can make it and, and contribute to a major league team, this draft was a success. So our next podcast will be recorded Wednesday night, right before the Angels get back to action against the Atlanta Braves. We're probably going to do an Instagram live for that. We'll talk a little bit about what happens at the All-Star Game, looking ahead to um, – the, the second half of the season when the Angels take on the Atlanta Braves to start it off. Uh, if we get any voicemails, we'll play them. If not, we'll jump on Instagram Live and take your questions there. So make sure you are on or around your phone on Wednesday night. Usually I jump on around 7 o'clock. Um, again, follow us on Halo underscore Haven on Instagram. Um, we'll post it there. I'll probably end up posting what time and all that stuff on there. So again, follow us at Halo underscore Haven and definitely follow Rhett Bollinger at Rhett Bollinger on Twitter and at Jeff Fletcher OC, um, I believe is his Twitter handle as well. Um, follow those guys on Twitter just because obviously they are the first ones to know all the news. You They tweet it. You see it. Um, they are on top of their game. Yes, it is Jeff Fletcher OCR on Twitter. So thank you for Jeff. Thank you for Rhett taking time out. I really, really appreciate it. And that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the All Angels Podcast. We'll be back with the Instagram Live uh, Wednesday night. So definitely check out for that. I'm your host, Daniel Garcia, and this has been another edition of the All Angels Podcast. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash match. Just go to indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. 
I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.